Today, Gelada and I catch up as we chat about the games we've been playing recently, from the jungles of Horizon Zero Dawn to the dunes of homeworld deserts of Karak. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelada. And I feel like I don't open enough of these. I feel kind of awkward every time I open <laughs> one of these episodes. But yeah, so welcome to another episode. So we're going to try something like a little bit more chilled out today. Uh, and we're going to just sort of have a discussion about what we've been playing recently. Yeah. Because one of the things that we talk about a lot on the podcast obviously is, is video games. But often we look at it from maybe more of an analytical view, maybe mm. something a bit more kind of like objective. Like we kind of dissect games and we talk about like what's going on with them or how like games have like affected the media in the past, stuff like that. Yeah. But we don't really talk about what we're playing. Like, we've no. talked about what we've played, I suppose, like the MMO, MMO episode, haven't we? But not what we're kind of enjoying right now. You're right. Like, we do tend to be very analytical. We tend to look back in the the, at the past rather than talking just, you know, about the games that we've been we've been playing. It's a chance for us to catch up with each other as well and sort of talk mm-hmm. about what we've been playing and stuff. And I will begin by saying that I've been playing um, Horizon Zero Dawn for the PlayStation 4. And I'm gonna I'm gonna like spoil this here, not the game, but spoil the discussion. I mean, in fairness, it's probably wise to say spoilers as well, just in case. Oh, there may be, yeah, there may be. I will try not something. But I'm gonna sort of spoil the discussion by saying that this. I think that Horizon Zero Dawn is probably my game of the year. Wow, I really, really, really like it. Uh, For those that don't know, it is a PlayStation Four exclusive adventure game i guess in the most like traditional yeah. adventure sort of sort of t- term you know it's a large yeah. open world there is a le- um you know you play one character you're leveling up there's a story there's combats there's quests i guess kind of adventure rpg it, it, it's sort of like the adventure style of games like uncharted is and yeah. assassin's creed that kind of thing Definitely. But, but open world yeah and having watched um, Tony play Breath of the Wild. I would say that this is basically the PlayStation 4's Breath of the Wild. It is that's so good, yeah, good idea, yeah. similar that you almost feel like they borrowed ideas off each other. They, you know, they both have a lot of harvesting things. They both have a lot of collectibles. They have equipments. They, ha- you know, it, there's a there's really a lot of similarities. And I'm going to start by saying a few of the things about it that annoy me because although I really, really like it as a game, there are actually some niggles that I'm just like, ah, I'm not really sure (laughs) about this. And one of them in particular is despite the fact that it's kind of an adventure RPG, it does have some platforming elements. There are some bits where you jump and there are some bits where you clamber along cliff edges, you know, very Tomb Raider or Uncharted style. And kind of like those games as well, it never really quite works like there's no challenge there there's no challenge yeah. in the platforming it's always just like if Press you fall off jump onto next thing yeah if you fall off it's because the game engine didn't latch you on to the right thing mm. and what's interesting about that is that it has that platforming but it doesn't have quick time events and this is the first no. time where i've been like 
actually some quick time events would be quite good here because yeah yeah you know you have those sort of in in games like tomb raider and stuff like that you have those kind of interactive cinematics where you're running along and you've got to time the jumps and there's quick time events and there's dramatic sort of slow-mo bits and stuff like that that sort of build up the tension i think they had something similar in the the newer prince of persia game as well which is also sort of like that kind of exactly 3d but almost on rails platformer almost yeah and the thing is, is that Horizon has that, but there's no quick time events or mm. slowdown or moments of peril. It's just like jump, latch up, like grab onto things. There's nothing like chasing you that means that you're going to die if you don't move quickly. Like it's very kind of synthetic and almost just feels a bit like they had to tick the box. You know, it's almost like a, you know, it's just kind of used as a almost like a progress mechanic, like getting you from one area yeah. to another by making yeah. you do some platforming. I, I get, for me, I, I've played the game a little bit, not as much as you mm. have. What I find the platforming allows for more than anything else is actually less about exploration yeah. and more about choice of attack almost when you're kind of like fighting an enemy. Yeah. Um, particularly when you're fighting human enemies as well. Yeah. Like I remember at one point, quite late on into my experience, which is probably quite early on in the game still, I was sort of like sneaking through this kind of compound air of these bad guys. And you could just kind of go in guns, bl- well, bow blazing, and, <laughs> you know, and take them all out that way. But I, I always kind of go for the stealth option myself. I just really enjoy kind of like stealth mechanics mm. in games. And it definitely encourages you to try and like climb around, find areas to kind of like silently take them out from a ledge, that kind of thing. Yeah. So maybe that's where it's better used rather than an exploration slash platforming. It's when you've got like 10 of these jumps to chain up to move from Mm -hmm. one place to another that I'm like, it's just not necessary. I agree with you that the ability to like scale a wall so that you can get a better angle, you know, that works really well. And actually the stealth it's interesting you mentioned the stealth because I really like the stealth mechanics, but when I first started playing, I found it really frustrating and I really struggled yeah. with it. But as I got into it and I sort of learned the way that it worked and once you pick up some of the extra skills, the yes. skills are very heavily bent on making the combat more fun. Initially, yeah. the combat is quite limited in that there's not a lot you can do. But then once you get a few of the skills that you can unlock as you level up, the combat really opens up and there's so many more options for things you can do. Mm. which is really, really nice. What else don't you like about it? What else don't I like about it? There's there's really not a lot else. The, <laughs> That's the, the main water effects needle, are bad, which I, I sent yeah, you a, a, yeah, remember you, a... Yeah, yeah, I sent you a video of it. Like, I didn't... It was. I just noticed it, and once I noticed it, I couldn't unsee it, that the main character, Aloy, she doesn't move the water in any way when she swims. <laughs> which is bizarre, because the water <laughs> itself looked quite nice. It looks great. Like, you're running along and you're like running next to a stream or something, you yeah. know, it looks really cool. And there is kind of like splashing effects of things, you know, where yeah. like there's waterfalls or, or the big um, sort of like, like what, what are they, what are they called? Dinosaurs? What, what do they call them? The, ro- I guess, what do they call them? The machines? I guess. The machines, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You know, they kind of splash through them, but she doesn't make an impression on the water, <laughs> which is really weird. There are no waves in response to something moving through the water. It's which really is, weird. It's super weird when you, they put so much effort into all the other areas of it. Like the lighting as well. The lighting's fantastic. The lighting is amazing. And it was something that you pointed out when we talked about this, right, is that Horizon Zero Dawn isn't built on any other game engine. It's their yeah. own game engine. Uh, and it shows. And it really shows. You know, the graphics are great. Everything is very fluid. Everything works well together. The animations are great. The interface is good. Uh, you know, everything sort of works really well. and I, But I think that the what is really good about it is 
is that environment and the world building that they've done. I wouldn't say that the characters in the game are the best. Aloy is a fantastic character herself, and there's a lot of depth in in the main character. But the co-characters are a little bit limited. They kind of like fade in and out of the story. And yeah, and they don't really they don't stick around um very much. And they do they do their part and they kind of move on and yeah. then let you carry on being like this explorer. Yeah, and I guess that's part of the the narrative that they wanted to concoct, but you do it feels very like a lonely game. And maybe mm. that's kind of intentional, but also at the same time, there are a lot of characters you interact with. They just don't really... And you struggle to remember people's names. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's never good. You don't want that. I mean, that's that's one of the things that games like Mass Effect do very well, for example. Mm, like exactly. Even though I played the original Mass Effect, like what, like ten years ago now. I can still remember all of the uh, like the, the original crew's names. You exactly. know, I remember what they were like and who they were. But if you ask me what the names of the characters from... Like, I'll ask you what are the names of the characters of uh, I, Horizon Zero Dawn were. Yeah. Other than the main character herself, you probably couldn't tell me more I, yeah, than maybe I don't, I don't two know. of them. I can't remember. I can't remember any of them. <laughs> so that kind of points... Yeah, that kind of proves what you're saying. There's maybe just not quite enough depth there. And like you say, mm. I think they were going for maybe a more... That's kind of half the point of it, isn't it? That you're, you're sort of an outcast. You don't have much yes. of a of a social standing within Definitely. the world. But that doesn't mean you can't have interesting side characters. Yeah, exactly. And and they feel like they set them up, but they just disappear all too quickly yeah. from your yeah. from your story. Um, you know, they sort of set up these characters that have got... They've got a lot of personality. The other characters that you interact with have problems or they have a particular, you know, personality style or the way that they, they talk to you and you interact with them. And, you know, you have conversation choices and stuff like that. But they just sort of... They'll be there for one quest and then they'll go away. And you're yeah. like, oh, that's the end of that character. <laughs> like, you never see them again. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame because it's not massive cast. Either. It's not like something like The Witcher, which has yeah. like millions of characters because it's almost like you're going through a real world it's a relatively small cast by comparison of of characters but they don't feel very fleshed out they don't feel very unique yeah the game is i guess we should say like if you if you haven't played it or heard anything about it it's kind of a post-apocalyptic world where there are kind of machines roaming the land instead there are animals as well but there's a lot of machines and there's some people but they're kind of tribal and there's sort of a little bit of an infusion of sort of magical old technology and then the sort of tribal stuff and you know you use a bow and and you have like you have sort of explosive weapons and stuff like that and they're made from components from you know the machines yeah exactly and the story itself is really really good especially late game as it develops it starts off and like you say you're you're an outcast and it does a good job of that actually of sort of you know talking a little bit about kind of i wouldn't necessarily say racism but there's kind of mm. there is definitely that sort of there is an element Almost of race. classism yeah exactly there is definitely sort of that kind of thing um, which is really good uh, but then actually the story even develops beyond that and really sort of tackles some interesting, you know, sort of apocalypse style themes, but crucially in a way that feels more like a book than mm. a video game. You know, a video game tends to be fairly light, more like a, a very easygoing movie. Especially a game like this, which is yeah. more action orientated. At least. Exactly. Whereas whereas this feels a bit more like a more in-depth kind of complex movie or a, or a book or something. It's sort of, there's a little bit more going on. I was actually retelling the story of the game to someone today at work. 
and they were like that's really in like that's such an interesting you know story and idea and and mm. you know the the concepts that they've come up with are really really good and like you say from something like this that's kind of very action and you're exploring an open world it's kind of unusual to see something so I, I'm not saying it's like super complex or it's a very imaginative or original story, but it's more just the way it's portrayed is quite mm. deep. There's quite a lot of depth there. The The game is really built around that and around some of those concepts. And then alongside that, the gameplay is really good as well. You know, the, the combat is great. The way that the quests work are great. There's, there's good side quests. There's good sort of collectibles and there's you know, different things you can do all over the place. There's a crafting system that's really good, but it also gets out of your way. Just the story and the things that you get to do are quite varied and interesting. You know, a lot of it is shooting at machines and people, but nonetheless, it takes you to some interesting settings and, yeah. you know, and it presents the story in an interesting way as you're playing the game. One of the things that I certainly felt while playing the game, uh, and I'm sure you'll agree, is it's it's a labor of love for the developers. Mm. Uh, you can tell it wasn't just a game that kind of had to roll off the assembly line sort mm. of thing um, because they were asked by a publisher. You can tell it was something they wanted to make and it was something that developed naturally over time. And I think that in combination with the fact that they made their own engine as well for the game, mm. it, it just sets it up for a really nice original game that will stand the test of time. Like there will be people yeah. talking about this game in sort of five years time sort of thing. Whereas like a lot of games net will just be forgotten to the, to the, the, that time period. Yeah. I know what you mean. I think you're right. It is kind of like, it's a big game and it was made to be a big game. You yeah. know, like they, they, they try, they, you can really feel the thoughts and the care in the game. And like you say, it doesn't just feel like it's filling a quota of, of yeah. something. You know, it feels like... I'd be interested to see, actually, if they take the brand of the game further than just a one-off. I know that there's DLC coming out. I mm. haven't really done any research as to whether they'd make, they're thinking of making a sequel or anything like that. I mean, they've sort of, like, built it into the title, haven't they? Because it's like Horizon colon Zero Dawn, isn't it? Yeah, so you could have an, you could have maybe more. Maybe Horizon is going to be the brand. I'm intrigued by that. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be sad if they just left it at this game because mm. I think that it does... It is such a complete package that it does stand well on its own. And by all means, add DLC. You know, I'm excited for the DLC, which is coming out soon. Pro probably at the time of release, it probably is out. Yeah. But I don't know if I would necessarily want them to make more games when it feels like it's quite complete. Yeah, you're just kind of pushing your luck almost, aren't you? Yeah, maybe. But but my kind of my summary really is that I I do think it is my game of the year. For a long time, I haven't played a game that's really you know got into my mind. The last one was probably uh, Xenoblade. Uh, I really, oh, yeah, really got yeah. into Xenoblades. The one on the Wii U. Yeah, the, well, the I played the Wii one, Xenoblade, which oh, right, was yeah. the, the first one. And then I, I've also played the Wii U one as well. Both were really good. And they're very, I, I'm not very good at completing really long games. It's quite difficult <laughs> for me to just get all the way through one. Um, and Xenoblade is huge. <laughs> um, and it held my attention for the whole in. time. Yeah, And Horizon has is doing the same. And that for me, that says a lot about a game if I can actually get all the way through it and I want to complete it. And you want to finish it. I've been playing this game for, you know, a good couple of months now um, and just finding time here and there to play it and I'm still managing to power through it to get to the end. Yeah. You know, I think that that's, for me, that really says something and also just, I just really, really like it. I, can, I cannot recommend it enough. If you have mm. a PlayStation 4, I think that's maybe the other bad thing is that it's an exclusive. <laughs> 
I mean, it, it's bad for everyone else, but I mean, for, for, yeah. for Sony, they're rubbing their hands together because it yeah. is a fantastic new IP to have as an exclusive for them. Um, definitely. Something they can certainly sell products on, and they have done. You know, they've, they've definitely been using it as like a, not a flagship, but a you know a banner waiver, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm not sure if it has like um, the new PS4 Pro support. I, I guess it does. Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, for things like 4K display and like HDR and stuff like that. Because I mean, I played mine on just like a standard PlayStation. Like mine's one of the the early PlayStation models, and it, it runs absolutely fine. But I, I assume there's there's support there for yeah, it does. It supports 4K. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. But no, it's it's a beautiful game and. Mm. It, it's one that I hope to kind of like pick up and play more myself rather than just sort of more passing. Oh, there's um, there's one other thing about it as well. It's like, it's one of the few games that I've screenshotted. Like there's a photo yeah. mode and the photo <laughs> mode is really, really good. And it has filters and you can change the camera and stuff like that. And I'm like, these are actually like things I want to try and like make a decent photo of because the game, mm-hmm. like you say, is so beautiful. It's such a good looking game. It's very, um, very pretty. Yeah, it is. Interestingly, the game I've been playing mm. is so 50-50 how it looks. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's one of the things I think I mentioned to you first about it. And that the game's um is Homeworld Deserts of Karak, which is sort of like a pseudo sequel but prequel to the Homeworld games. Yeah. Um, you know, the old kind of like um I say old, they're not super I guess they are old actually, aren't they? Like two thousand something. The first Homeworld is is nineties. Oh, okay. They're old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a prequel to those uh, PC games, and it's it's set on the the planets of the like original player race, so to speak, from the game, uh, and it's set on like the the deserts there, and the deserts themselves they look amazing. Like mm. they're so beautiful, and sort of the the sand effects are really clever because like the, the game is like exclusively based in desert environments, so. Yep. They had to get that right, didn't they? Yeah, if they didn't, that would have been really bad. Interestingly as well, like this, it's got really nice cinematics. It's an RTS game. I should have probably prefaced that. <laughs> but it, it's an RTS game, so you don't need it to be kind of pretty graphics, really, or have good cinematics, because that's not the point you're playing, is it? You're not there for like a, a cinematic experience. No. You're there for the gameplay. Yeah. But interestingly, like they do really kind of cool cinematics. They have like a really great kind of free camera that they've obviously like pre-programmed for like pre-done cinematics mm. with the in-game engine. Like get really kind of good sort of like sweeping shots and zoom shots and action shots. And it all looks really good in terms of the environment. But what unfortunately lets it down is that the, the camera almost zooms in too much. And okay. as a result of it, the, the textures on the units specifically, uh, they're really, really low end. Yeah. Like, they're quite, like I had everything set to maximum like on the, on the settings. And yeah. And the game runs fine. It runs at a nice, consistent 60 frames a second, no problem. But, yeah, the, the texture's just on the units themselves. Like, especially some of the bigger, like, units, which you kind of, like, fill up more of the screen when you're at max zoom in, They're, they look like something from, like, the mid-2000s. Um, yeah. Very stretched. It sort of sounds like they've tried, and and good on them, they've sort of tried to be ambitious by having the cinematics in-engine, but it's just kind of fallen short because they do still need to keep the textures and the polygon count low because you are going to play the game zoomed out. And yes. so you're going to need things that are fairly low fidelity because you're going to be seeing a lot of it. So much of it at once, yeah. yeah. Uh, and in fairness, the zoom out is quite generous as well. You can zoom out a good long way mm. in the game. Yeah. And then the way they've gotten around not being able to zoom out even more is by in like a scanner menu, sort of like the original Homeworld games. Oh, yeah. Where okay. you go into like a kind of like a 
a, a grid-like map mode, yeah, but it's all very simplified. It's just kind of a like blue dot to you and red yeah, dots to the enemy, okay. that kind of thing. Kind of like if when you zoomed all the way out on Supreme Commander and exactly. you would get like that overview yeah. kind of icon yeah. map view. That's it. And it's a, it's one of those, usually when you think of those kind of modes, I never bother with them. It's like, why would I bother that? It's just like less good than the normal mode. <laughs> but I used it all the time because you, you want to be able to kind of like zoom out and send your units on yeah. like orders that are further away than you can see on your screen and it's easy than kind of like scrolling all the way over to where you want to go like homeworld um, itself right like that mm-hmm. and actually that so my question is is obviously homeworld the original games the original series was a, a real-time strategy game and it was set in space and you you know you fought with spaceships and stuff like that is deserts of karak similar in its RTS gameplay style uh, in yeah. terms of the sort of number of units you have and the way resources work and stuff like that? Or is it very different? So units you actually have quite a lot less of. And that okay. was something that at first really turned me off from the game. I was very much, oh, I don't like this. There's not enough complexity. But after a while, you start to appreciate the fact that it's almost like a rock, paper, scissors environment. Okay. And you've got three main, initially at least anyway, you've got three main land vehicles. And it's all land-based vehicle combat. So there's no kind of like just men. And there are aircraft, but they're sort of like strike aircraft that you direct in a direction and that's it. You don't control them. You say, I want you to go here and shoot things. And then they go there and shoot things and go back. Ah, uh, um, yeah, okay. Kind of like, like the, pl- the planes in um, Rise of Nations. They used right, to do. yes. It's pretty much exactly the same, actually. Mm. And they're very powerful, but they can be shot down quite easily. So you need to use them more defensively than aggressively. Yeah, anyway. So at first I was like, eh, I don't like the fact that there's not many vehicles choices. But then you realize like it's quite it's quite strategic almost not strategic no it's quite tactical i suppose you could say yeah because yeah. like you don't want to put in your light attack vehicles too soon because they're very squishy but they're really fast and they're the best at taking out the the heavy rail guns at the back but you can't get your light attack vehicles past the armored assault vehicles because they're really strong and can take a real beating but you don't want to just send your own armored vents to them because they won't do any damage because their armor's too high so you need to use your rail guns so it's all about sort of like mixing the formations and making sure yeah. that like things are in the right place and stuff would you say that there are a similar number of types of units as Homeworld? Because that didn't no, have Homeworld a huge definitely number. has more. Okay, definitely it has, has more. more. Uh, I, I, I replayed through uh, the original. Well, say the original. I replayed through Homeworld Remastered, mm-hmm. um, which is just the same game, just different graphics engine. I yeah. imagine. Just from the first couple of missions, like I already had almost a comparable number of units to choose from as in the entirety of Deserts of Karak. Okay, but that, I mean, that's not a problem because you get like interesting upgrades for your units as well like okay. you can choose to sort of buy unique abilities for them so these armored assault vehicles for example they don't do much more than just kind of take punishment and do a bit of damage to light attack vehicles but they have the smoke screen ability which allows you to block line of sight which is incredibly useful when you're trying to kind of like either attack or run away from like a line of rail guns that are absolutely yeah. destroying your armor is it kind of is it more sort of squad based and you can upgrade individual squads or is it more you know throwing lots of units at a battle it's almost like the original homeworld in that you construct individual like vehicles so i construct one okay uh, lav or one assault vehicle yeah whereas like you remember in homeworld 2 you created a like a a squadron of fighters yeah that's right um you know you created like a a small grouping of corvettes and then you would be able to build one frigate or one cruiser or Mm. something whereas in this you have to build one of everything and then you group them up um what i find myself doing is sort of like grouping them all up into kind of like individual roles so like you know your front line your back line your harassers your supports uh, and then trying to like assign different vehicles like you often want to make sure that you have like repair vehicles assigned that's quite important because resources aren't scarce 
but you don't have time to build more units to get to the front line, otherwise oh, you'll okay. lose that fight. Yeah. It is quite a, you know, keep your units alive, yeah. their importance kind of thing. There's a, there's a veteran city uh, mechanic adding as well. So they gain kind of like experience. They gain, you know, they, they're harder to kill right. yeah, or they exactly. have more health. Uh, so, yeah, that kind of so thing. it's that kind of, it, it is very much that classic relic entertainment style, you know, Company of Heroes and Dawn of War and stuff yes. like that, where, you know, you want to look after your units because they have a kind of story behind them and they yes. get better and that kind of thing. Which is great because you start each mission with what you ended the last mission on. Yep. So you kind of like, Ooh. you kind of set up your own strategy. So yeah, I had a very yeah. broad strategy. Like I had a, a very wide selection of everything. Whereas I, you could easily go for a very kind of like one attack style strategy sort yep. of thing. So that's kind of like the, again, the original Homeworld games, yes. the campaign for that, you would keep the the things that you had in between missions most yes, of the time. Exactly. Which sometimes was to your benefit because you'd end up having a really strong force if you'd learn to look after mm. them. But otherwise that wasn't very good because you end up like with a pretty rubbishy destroyed force. Yeah. And you only have a limited amount of resources to build more sort of thing. Yeah. One of my gripes with the game actually is the AI. It's a bit simple, unfortunately. Okay. I found the only way that the game manages to pose challenge to you for the most part is just by generating more units for you to have to fight and kind of trying to overwhelm you. Mm. Which is... It feels cheap because, like, I've not got that. I've got a fairly limited amount of units, and I've got to try and keep them alive. Whereas I kind of keep killing your guys, and more of them keep coming. And right, okay. it becomes a bit of a meat grinder effect. Yeah. So you know, you can be kind of as strategic as you like. Eventually, your units just run out of health. Yeah. And the only way to avoid doing that is sort of pressing the objective. Um, you can't just kind of sit in one space for too long because they'll just keep sending wave after wave at you. But it's relatively easy to repel one wave because they always come in the same sort of pattern. Right. Uh, okay. And it's relatively easy to kind of outflank them and to sort of bait them in. So you can like send your armored assault vehicles up. They'll attack them. They'll follow you right into your trap of your rail guns and the rail guns will just rip them apart or your artillery will like pepper yeah. them and that kind of thing. So that that's something I can definitely critique the game for. Yeah. And does that mean as a result that the skirmish modes or the sort of just standard game mode isn't that great and it's mainly about the campaign the campaign's really fun actually and it has a surprisingly engaging story yeah especially if you have a little bit of foreknowledge yeah. about the homeworld games like because in the original homeworld the, the entire events of deserts of karak which is like set which was made like 15 years later so it certainly wasn't a story that was thought up at the time was sort of like relegated to a short like 30 second cutscene. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> so the game expands on that entire and does a great job of it. You really kind of you feel the plight of the people that they're trying to accomplish. And there's mm, some like there's okay. some great sort of twists that you sort of see coming, but you sort of don't see coming. So you so you do get engaged. And one thing that's really interesting for an RTS game, they actually have like characters. There's a few sort of characters that you become a little bit attached to. Mm. There's like the, there's the main character Rachel Sujet, who's like the main scientist on this mission that you do in is she relate she's related to karen suggest then yes she is yeah i think she's supposed to be like her like clan sister or something like that fine or maybe like her mother or something because i think like i think it's set like 60 years before the mothership is created i think it takes a long time to make the mothership homeworld's always been a bit like that anyway hasn't it you know it's 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 good on its story and it's good on its characters the fact that i can remember the name of the main character in homeworld exactly. shows and you can remember what we you can remember about. The, the names of the, the races and the planets and stuff yeah, as well exactly. you have the kushan and the taidan yeah, yeah. going to to hagara from uh karak and yeah, things like that yeah you know? exactly 
Um, you know, it it is for an RTS. It's not that I've played that many campaigns because I don't really like campaigns on RTSs. But one I have played is Homeworld because it is really good. Yeah. It has a fantastic kind of feeling as well. Mm. You definitely get that sense of um, almost foreboding and like hopelessness because it is almost like a hopeless mission you're on. Yeah. So they do a great great job of kind of creating that atmosphere. And the music's really good as well. It has that sort of like, I don't know, I don't want to sound stereotypical, but it has almost sort of like deserty Arab style music. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. If you know what I mean, um, yeah. it's hard to describe, but it, it certainly kind of has a good feel to it. The music does. Something that maybe it's different to the other Homeworld games then I've just thought of is that the original Homeworld games were very challenging, or at least the difficulty mm. really ramped up in yeah, the campaign, and it was known for it. But it sounds like this is not perhaps not so much the case no. with this one. Okay. No, I mean, I played it on the, the middle difficulty because there's only three difficulties, if I remember rightly. So I played yeah. it on like normal mode and it didn't really challenge me. Like the only time it challenged me is when I took too long to push an objective. Mm. Then you just get too many waves of units yeah. come at you at once. Okay. Uh, the, other, the other kind of problem you face sometimes is that like you get surrounded and you you, you kind of have to have a back line and a front line. Like that's just how the unit positioning works. Yeah. Uh, and you can choose like your units like positioning kind of like in like Dawn of War or something where you can kind of like right click and fa- have them face a direction. And you end up getting surrounded in like your, your rear units that are kind of like powerful but squishy get like taken out really yeah. quickly. And then you kind of have to reset because you can't win from that point. But otherwise, that's the only time the game is challenging. Otherwise, it's relatively easy. I didn't play okay. any of the multiplayer. I don't know if there's anyone still playing the multiplayer. I, I always wonder with sort of very campaign heavy strategy games i feel like their multiplayer tends to fall off a little bit yeah you know when you compare to something like starcraft okay starcraft's maybe an exception because it does have a good campaign as well it does yeah um <laughs> damn that's a bad that's a really bad example it's like, not like rise of nations or age yeah. of empires like those yeah. story games are just multiplayer scenarios that's all they are exactly and the, and the campaign is kind of there a bit like the single player in some first person shooters right like first person shooters some of them are clearly multiplayer games and yeah. the campaign is a little bit tacked on this is kind of the reverse of that this is you know an rts where the campaign is the forefront and once you've played that maybe there's some multiplayer to play maybe there's a couple of skirmish games but actually you've kind of completed the game at that point Yes, you, you you have. And I didn't, once I'd finished the game, I didn't really want to play the multiplayer. I yeah. was sort of done with the game. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And it was great. And I might pick it, might like revisit it in future, just sort of go, oh, this was good. This was quite fun, wasn't it? But I've had my fill. It's been a complete package for me. And now I'm, I'm kind of done with it. It's certainly a game I'd recommend. Yeah, I was going to say if you're a um, if you're a homeworld fan and if you're an 100% RTS fan, if you're a homeworld fan, yeah. if you're an RTS fan, maybe not. Um, okay. It's maybe a bit too simple for most RTS fans. I think. I guess maybe what I mean is less if you're an RTS sort of hardcore, but more just like you enjoy playing an RTS yeah. game. You know, something that's got a campaign and things like Put that. Put it and- this way: when I finished playing the game, I had an urge to play more RTS as a result yeah. of it because mm. I enjoyed it and I do like RTS games. But it didn't have quite that oomph I wanted, so I picked up Dawn of War Two again, which is like one of my favorite RTS games, and I really, really enjoy it. And then that sort of gave me that satisfaction I wanted from the RTS. But that's mm. not to say i didn't enjoy playing deserts of karak Hmm. okay fair enough i mean it's been on my list for a while but i think that because i am quite a skirmish heavy rts player you know i tend to pick the i like to just play against ai and just kind of have fun playing and and get better against them and maybe try some multiplayer sounds like it probably isn't really for me in the same Mm. way that 
although I did enjoy Homeworld a lot, it was never really like my kind of RTS. But but interesting nonetheless, because I think that it's cool that they've kept the Homeworld brand around. Which is really surprising, because yeah. I mean, the last game came out a long time ago. Yeah. And, you know, obviously they did the remastered edition, but it's interesting to make a new game, but also make it different, but Very still different, keep yeah. the the brand and the story. And I think that is because that story and the and the world and the lore and stuff is really compelling and they've done a really good job of building that up. So it definitely had a big impact on sort of like the PC gaming space at the time. Definitely. And I think it's impacted the people making the games now. Like yeah. if you were a PC gamer back in the day making games now, you certainly would have played Homeworld, I think. Yeah, definitely. Because it was a fairly big release at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a huge deal um, at the time. Well, so we've gone, we've sort of had one adventure RPG that's game of the year to a campaign based RTS that is kind of good. <laughs> it's it's good, but maybe not writing home about. It. No, yeah, exactly. But I don't regret my time with it, put it that way. Yeah. What's what's on your horizon of your, wait, no pun. Uh, that, that wasn't no, even I like it. I, that was, that was good. You stole <laughs> it. What is coming up for you as a game that you're you're thinking of playing next see it's a good question like i like i mentioned it earlier i've been playing dawn of war 2 again um i finished the uh, the dawn of war 2 campaign and i've never played through chaos rising the first expansion or retribution the second expansion so i've almost finished playing through the campaign mode for chaos rising both of which i'm playing on the harder difficulty level this time not the insane difficulty level because that don't want to sit blessing refresh every single time (laughs) well you know but so I'm really enjoying that. But then after that, I, I really don't know. Like I'm kind of free at the moment. Like I'm playing a few multiplayer games with friends, like PUBG and stuff. But otherwise, I, I think in I might delve into The Witcher. Ooh, I've okay. not played any of them. Yeah, and I didn't want to be one of these sort of like bandwagoners jumping on playing Witcher three only when that kind of got came out and got all the praise in the world. So I want to sort of start from the beginning. And I believe Tony did that, didn't she? She sort of played yes. the original uh, yeah, and kind yeah, of worked her way through. It's one of those, I think it's something that I want to get myself invested in because I, I think there's a lot of character there that you can yeah. really sort of get like, heavily invested in. What about you? I, you know, I really don't have a lot on my radar at the moment. I'm actually just looking through my my list of, of sort of upcoming and games to get. I've got a few indie sort of pc games that i Mm -hmm. haven't got round to playing that i would like to play things like the witness and firewatch and hyper light drifter and pyre so there's a there's sort of a collection there of indie games that won't take very long and i can pick up fairly cheaply and it's kind of like i really should just pick these up and play them because i really want to but i have i haven't got a big a big game game at the moment that's on my horizon i want to Oh, that pun again. I want to get <laughs> back into Elite Dangerous. That would be quite mm-hmm. nice because there's been a lot of, a lot of updates. new changes and updates. Yeah. And I'm still slowly noodling my way through No Man's Sky, uh, which I did oh, yeah, pick up yeah. not that long ago, which is funny because that was, you know, one of the first things, it was the first thing that we talked about on Optimal yeah, FM. Yeah. And it has changed so much since that episode and in fact you've seen because i showed you at the LAN. you know you were some of the things that you were like they've added that and i was like how was this not in the game originally Is that not normal <laughs> you know like moving inventory around and stuff like that i can't believe that they missed out originally yeah it was like watching a different game it really was yeah which is really interesting because i'm not enjoying it to the point where i like really want to play it like horizon but i am 
not, you know, I'm enjoying it and I want to play some more of it and experience mm-hmm. a bit more of what it has to offer. But otherwise, there's really not, a, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing crying out to be played at the moment. Um, well, let's get some suggestions from the listeners for you. Let's make sure that yeah. we get uh, get Jal playing something. Yeah, come and because that's come and, the important thing. Come and tell us what what game I should be playing next after I play Horizon Zero Dawn. You should you should delve into XCOM. You should let yeah. yourself just become absorbed by XCOM. I still haven't finished XCOM two. I don't know if t- turn based strategy games have just never really ah uh, they've never really done it for me. XCOM will get you, man. It'll get you. Mm. I guarantee it. I don't know, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, you should you should let let us know what you think uh, I should play next and what Seth should play next as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you can email us. We're show at octal.fm. Uh, you can tweet us. We're at octal.fm on Twitter. You can come and find us on Facebook. Um, just search on Facebook for octal.fm. If you go onto our website, there's links to all of those. And also all of the show notes uh, for this episode. Not that there's a huge amount for this one. Links to the games and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and you can search through and browse past episodes about previous games. What would be... We haven't I mean, done RTS this for a while. games the pretty easy one, isn't it? Like, yeah. Because I was talking about um, Homeworld Desert's Karak. Good previous episodes to listen to. I'm not sure, I'm not sure about Horizon Zero because it's sort of almost unique in a way. And I don't mm. think we've really discussed similar games to it, really. No, we haven't. We've not really talked about kind of adventure games. We've talked a bit about platformers, but that's very different. Like one of the things that I, I really loved about Horizon that we could definitely have a kind of discussion on is voice acting. I love the voice mm. acting Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe that's a that's a topic for future. If we've done that episode, go on to that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're <laughs> listening to this and we've done future episodes. But otherwise, in the meantime, uh, I've been Gelada. And I've been Saffron. And... Uh, a new episode will be on your horizon very soon. Oh, I knew you'd do it. I knew he'd do it. <laughs> I wasn't going to bother. I was like, no, he's already done it. I'm going to leave it. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Did that just dawn on you? Oh, hey. that was, oh very good. <laughs> very good. I have zero comebacks to that. Damn it. Damn it. Lada and I play catch-up as we're about to chat. Oh, that's wrong. We're going to have a bit of a chilled episode again today. You dubbed it a filler episode, I guess you could say. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't say that to the, to the listeners. I don't know. I can almost hear people hitting skip or stop okay. right now. Well, well, well let's leave that podcast. for the uh, outtakes then, in that case, <laughs> and we will try that again. Um... <laughs>